a liar, but the Lord Jesus Christ is the answer to those fears. There is a chapter in your Bible that those of you who have been a part of Alamo City for a while would know this is a favorite of ours. This is, this is something of a marching order for the Alamo City family. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Now all the tax gatherers and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. And both the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man, Jesus, receives sinners and eats with them. That was about the biggest insult that you could give to someone who was presenting himself as a man after God's own heart. That would be Jesus. This man spends time with sinners and he eats with them. You see in some pictures of something that happened here on the south side of this building yesterday morning. The Bandidos formed in the 60s, South Texas, arch enemies of the Hell's Angels, had a death in their brotherhood. And this crowd of bikers and their friends showed up to pay tribute to this one they loved in their own bike world way and wanted to honor him. They're not known as being Mr. Nice Guy. They're not known as a Sunday school class. About every place that you find tax gatherers or sinners in your New Testament, you could probably stick banditos in there in the place of that. But guess where Jesus was? Right in the middle. Right there. He, he didn't approve. They knew that. He wasn't one of them in the behavioral sense, and they knew that. Somehow, they felt that he loved them. That in a unique and very unusual way, he respected them. He recognized their choices, but he loved them. For lots of years, Alamo City has been criticized by some who would say, why do those kinds of people sit in your pews? Why do those kinds of people come to your church? To which, trying to be nice in our answer, we respond because we feel like those are the ones that would hear the message of Jesus and his hope. Let me tell you what happened while this was going on. We, we, we partner with um, a funeral home in our city, Funeral Caring. They have a location here and have had for a number of years. We, we've done that because we wanted to try to 
provide some, some less expensive funeral options for our family and for our community and others, and funeral caring has helped us do that. They don't always know who's going to show up. You know, don't read the pedigree of who just died, and they didn't really know what was going to happen yesterday morning. They were just providing a place, and lo and behold, the gates opened, and three to four to five hundred Harleys show up, and um, a few hundred other supporters. We have an 82-year-old gentleman who's in charge of our mercy ministry. His name's Larry Henry. Many of you know Larry, love Larry, been blessed by Barry. Some of you might have been at, even been fussed at by Larry. He's, he's, he's got a, he'll tell you the truth, even when you don't want to hear it sometimes. But, but Larry was here, and I started getting these pictures on my cell phone. We're at home with our three grandsons, and we're just, you know, a normal Saturday morning. Larry is here, and he starts sending me these pictures. And he told me what it was. And I said, well, who died? Somebody they cared a lot about. Hundreds came from far and near, locally, but also from other states. And I said, Larry, have you had a chance to share the Lord with them? Now, he's 82 years old. And he's got every reason and right to retire and be somewhere else and sleeping in on Saturday morning, but he was here, and he texted back and saying, I've been able to share Jesus. He was working the crowd. This 82-year-old in the middle of a wad of bikers was working the crowd. In fact, he said this morning that there was a guy who was taking some pictures of this gathering, followed him into his corner of the world down here on the west end of our building, needed to go to the restroom, and Larry helped him, and the guy who had been hired by the bikers to take the picture looked at Larry and said, I think you're a man of God. And then the man just fell down on his knees and began to cry out a prayer, Lord, will you meet with us here this morning? Will you meet with us here this morning? Will you meet with us here this morning? Didn't know him, don't know who he is, where he is. But together, those, those couple of guys, and there were probably sharing the Lord, lifting up Jesus, not condemning, trying to bless and trying to encourage. Now, here's the deal, folks. I hope we never change from having that kind of heart. SAPD, the San Antonio Police Department, was, was set and ready on the other side of the building. Probably everybody that was here was armed in some fashion. It could have been who knows what all could have busted loose. But that's been the story of Alamo City for 32 years. We don't know who may show up. We don't know what the enemy may try to do. But the Lord Jesus Christ rises in the midst of those kinds of things. And he shows hope and he shows mercy. One of the guys that we're going to be doing the memorial service for in a little bit, he's in heaven now. 
you know, came from a rough background, walked in this. His wife had come to know the Lord. This is several years ago. Wife had come to know the Lord here at Alamo City, and the husband, the only way he knew how to deal with conflict was with violence. He told me this later. So he shows up in this room and sits about right there, half of the way back, and in what we would call a Bible carrier, he has a 357 pistol. Shows up in the church house to kill the preacher because he didn't understand what was happening to his wife. He sat, sat through the service and somehow through the violence and the anger and the hate, all the stuff that had been going on in his life, somehow or another, he heard the love of God and the call of Jesus to his heart. And he walked down this aisle and right here prayed to receive Jesus, left his pistol in the pew, and we have become good friends. <laughs> You know, about the time we start putting a box around God, saying you got to do it this way and God would never do that, you, you just watch him blow up your little box you put around the Lord. And that's, that's our hope, that he never stops. He never quits pursuing. He still came to seek and to save the lost. I don't know where that man is that was in that casket. Don't know with the Lord or not with the Lord. Don't, don't, that, that's not ours to judge. But what we do have the opportunity to do as long as we have breath is to speak the name of the one who offers hope to anybody, anywhere, no matter how long, no matter how far away from the Lord they may have been. I just wanted you to see that. Now, that's not some other church. That's not some other place. That's the Alamo City family. And I've, I've, I've been praying, Lord, would you, when Larry showed me that, those pictures yesterday, I said, Lord, will you bring every one of them in here today? <laughs> would you bring them back on Sunday? Would you bring them back? So, so if you, and, and those of you here, Alamo City family, been here around, right? You, you, you know all kinds of folks show up, and we, we don't do the, we don't do the judge and the litmus test and all that kind of stuff. We don't waste our time with that kind of religion. But our hearts remain open to those whom the Lord Jesus loves, and we want to welcome them here. Just wanted you to see that and know that. I, I, they, they, they buried him on the, on the, or toward the south, the south side of San Antonio, and you get four or 500 Harleys blocking 281 or 410 or wherever where they went. You might have been in that, in that congestion, but that's, that, it started here. It came from here and went there. So amen. Lord, would you bring them in? Lord, we pray. We pray for the banditos. We pray for the ones who are involved in that organization, their family members, the ones that know them. We pray that you will visit you will visit the Bandito organization with the true Jesus and the gospel and the hope that is in Jesus. Bless them with an open heart to hear your word. Can you say amen to that prayer with me? Amen. I know some folks that hear that and they want to gather up their kids and run some other place. Well, the Lord's taken care of us all these years and he'll keep taking care of us. We're confident of that. So don't, don't, don't be afraid. Now, there's a, there's a word on my heart this morning that I, I, just, I just need to lay it out there. I don't, this isn't going to be a real fancy sermon, and I've 
and, and a whole bunch of points and so forth. You can take those pictures off if you want to. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Uh, that, uh, that, that, that's what we're talking who, who is that talking to you? Who is that talking to you? God of hope or the father of lies? You see, we've got to understand, especially as those who have come to know Jesus as Savior and Lord, that the enemy does not want us to understand and does not really want us to believe that the God of hope will speak to us, that the God of hope will encourage hope in us. He doesn't want us to, to really lean into that and lay hold of that because if he can keep us on our heels, if he can keep us intimidated by fear, if he can keep us pushed back into the place of, of just being so reserved, so hesitant, so shy, so doubting, then he won't have to worry about us. But when there is the sense that we are drawing upon the truth that the God of hope knows how to fill you up with joy and peace in believing so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, then the Satan has got a problem on his hands. And I believe that there may be an all-out attempt on the part of the enemy to intimidate, to intimidate God's people, pushing away the voice, trying to diminish the voice of the spirit of hope, the God of hope within us. Why is it that some intelligent and physically healthy, strong people can be in the presence of somebody else who's not nearly as intelligent, maybe, not nearly as educated, not nearly as physically strong, and yet when they're in the presence of that one, it's as if they just shut down. They just shut down. And this lesser human, in a sense, dominates the atmosphere, rules over them, scared to say anything for fear of, in, of, of angering this one, offending this one, because of what would come back. Why, why is it that, that, that some folks can just live in a place of fear over what might happen? Hadn't happened yet. The day hadn't even dawned for tomorrow, but can't enjoy the present out of worry over the future. Who's talking to you? Where's that coming from? Who, who is that putting those thoughts in our minds? The Apostle Paul said this, 2 Timothy 1, 7, you've Probably real familiar with the words, the sounding of the words, but we need to look a little deeper into the meaning of the words. He wrote to Timothy, and he said, God has not given us a spirit, a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. 
It's as if he's saying, you're going to know, Timothy, who's talking to you. You're going to know who's speaking to you. You're going to know who's trying to direct your thoughts and your emotions. If it is in the direction of the love of God for you and the love of God from your heart back to him, if it's the sense of being reassured and refreshed in the knowledge of his power in you and his power to do whatever he sets his heart and mind to do, and if it is he is giving you a settled mind, a, a, a steady mind, not blown around and freaked out and scared of your shadow all the time, but a clear mind, a steady mind. If it is one of those three things or all of those three things, you can just be assured that's the Lord speaking to you. But if it is resulting in timidity, if it's resulting in hesitation, if it's resulting in fear, if it's resulting in you wanting to give up and quit and be somewhere else because this is just too imposing and too threatening. It's not God, Timothy. God doesn't deal in a place of intimidation where he tries to spook us, scare us, cause us to be hesitant. Now, I realize I'm speaking this morning to a largely um, sympathetic audience to, to the reading from the Scripture and, and the mention of the name of Jesus. And, but I still need to say it, folks. The enemy, if he can use something to spook you, if he can use somebody to back you off, if he can use some work of, working of your mind that I can't figure out how this is all going to fit. I don't know how I'm going to make it. And, and, and what does the future hold? And where's the country going? And what about the rest of my life? And all that. If, if, he, if he can shut you down and get us mesmerized by all the what ifs, he will never stop it until you challenge him. He'll never shut up until you call him out. As long as there is the sense that this may be God talking to me, that this, this may really be the truth, this may be how it is, then the enemy will relentlessly, even with greater velocity and intensity as time goes on, keep pummeling you with those kinds of thoughts because we, the gate's open. It may be the truth. This may be God. That's why Paul was saying to Timothy, blood-bought, child of God, filled with the Spirit, used mightily in the kingdom. Paul had to say to Timothy, Timothy, when fear begins to find a foothold, it's not from God. You listen, you'll know God's voice because you will hear him say, he will be speaking and registering within your spirit. He loves me. And because he loves me, I love him. And there is nothing impossible with my God. Power. And I'll keep my eyes on him instead of my eyes on these other prognosticators and these others who are trying to give rational reasons as to what the future holds. My mind, Lord, I'm trusting that my mind will be set and settled upon you and you will give me an even-keeled mind. 
It is not a testimony of victory in Jesus to be scared spitless every day that we live. That everything's going down the toilet. Everything's coming loose. Everything, there's, 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 where are we all going? You don't have to know Jesus to have an attitude like that, right? But with the things that can come, it's, it's not as if Paul is fussing at Timothy and, and saying you're, you're confined to a lesser level of usefulness in the kingdom because you have to deal with, because you're dealing with the spirit of timidity. There's forgiveness. There's mercy. There is a way out to not have to live our lives forever intimidated. Now, let me tell you what the devil wants most from you. What Satan wants most that you have, that he will use fear, intimidation, whatever, to get it. It's your place. It's your God-given place. Because along with the God-assigned place, comes a God-given measure of authority. God gave you a wife. God gave you a husband. God gave you a child or children. God's given you a place in a business. God's given you a place. The Lord is the one who opens doors and nobody can shut them. Revelation holds the key of David. He's the one who shuts doors and nobody can open. I've set before you an open door which no man can close because you have a little power, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. I have set before you an open door. I've positioned you in the place that you are in. And what Satan wants is to steal the husband's place in the home so that he can remove that husband who would be seeking the Lord and his influence and his seeking of the Lord and the authority that God will give, not for the husband to be a jerk, not for the husband to be lording it over everybody, but the husband who understands that God's called me to pray for my family. He's called me to believe God for his best on my family, to pray protection for my wife, for my children, to pray for our provision, to be able to lay hands on a sick baby with fever at 104, to pray first to the Lord and then go find the medicine, but to pray first there. Just like Simon Peter's mother-in-law was healed of that, that high fever and got up and began to continue to minister, so those kinds of things, that's the place in the home you, you, a husband doesn't have to be a seminary graduate. You don't have to be able to quote James backwards. But you know that the Lord gave me that woman. God gave me that wife. God gave me these children. For the wife to be able to recognize that about her family. In, in this, he, he's given me. He's put me in this place. What Satan wants more than anything else is your place. Garden of Eden. Why didn't, why didn't the serpent go after an elephant? Biggest in the Garden of Eden? Why, why didn't the serpent go after a lion? The baddest, most ferocious. 
He went after the man. Why? Because God had given Adam authority in the place where God had put him. So when Satan seduced Eve, Eve worked her magic with Adam, and the result was that sin entered the human race. The fallenness that Satan brings to any environment started there. I'll show you something very interesting and insightful. If you're not sure you can track with this, I want you to just check the Scripture. And I want to say quickly that there, there can be, Alamo City is filled with folks who have, who, who have endured a season in your life of giving stuff over to Satan, walking away from the God assigned, God-given place he's given you. We're, we're, our, our pews are filled with situations in the past like that. But we're also filled with some of the same folks sitting in the same place who would be able to say, Therefore, if any person is in Christ, the old things have passed away and new things have come. That the Lord, by his mercy and strength and the depth of his love, the precision of his mercy in your life, has set us free from the things, the penalty, the bondage of the things we did before, enabling there to be, by his grace, some new things to come up out of our lives and in our lives and in our relationships where there is a restoration on many, many levels of what the enemy stole from us before. But notice this. This is in Luke chapter 4. Jesus is encountering the enemy in the garden, and not in the garden, but in the wilderness. In the wilderness. I won't read all of it, but I want you to just jump in with me at verse 6. Luke chapter 4, verse 6. Now we're talking about What's the enemy trying to do? What's he going for when he's trying to intimidate you and me and push us back from and out of the place that God has assigned us? Look, look, look at verse 6. And the devil said to Jesus, I will give you all the domain and its glory. For it has been given, it has been handed over to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Verse 5 would say that the devil led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And then the devil says, I'll give this to you because this has been given to me. The authority to give away the controlling elements and dimensions of the world has been given to me. Therefore, if you worship before me, it shall all be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only. How did Satan make that statement? All of this has been given to me. All of this has been handed to me. And I give it to whomever I wish. Many wonderful Bible scholars will go straight from Luke chapter 4 to Genesis chapter 1 and 3 and that section in there about the Lord setting up Adam to rule over the beasts of the field, the birds of the eye, over every living thing. Rule over it. You have authority to rule over it. 
But Satan came through the temptation of, has God really said? He got, God doesn't want you to be like him. That's why if, if you eat this, this fruit, you're going to be like God, and he doesn't want that. They bought the lie. They believed it. And as a result of that seduction, as a result of that choice, Adam lost his place, and Adam lost his authority. But fast forward, we don't know how many years, find your way to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, I'm, I'm, I'm marked, so let me go ahead and read it if you can't get there quickly. This is verse 19, Romans 5 verse 19, for as through the one man's disobedience, that's Adam, the many were made sinners, even so through the obedience of the one, the many will become righteous. And the law came in that the transgression might increase, but where sin increased, increased grace abounded all the more, that as the sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through the righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus came as the second Adam. Paul speaks of that. Hebrews will speak of that. Jesus Christ came to undo and to retake that which the first Adam had lost through his sin. Jesus came sinless. Jesus came in perfect obedience to the Father. And as a result of that, he was able to go to the face of Satan, to the hand of Satan, and strip Satan of his control over death and hell, over his ability to rule over the lives of people who would put their faith and trust in Christ. Jesus Christ came to strip Satan of his authority. In Jesus Christ, not in positive thinking, not in finding a bunch of good people to be around to kind of help you try to get over this intimidation stuff, Satan doesn't understand. He does, let me say this, he understands. Satan is not moved by you trying harder. Satan isn't moved by self. The only thing the second most powerful being in the universe understands is a bigger gun barrel. You can't negotiate with him. You can't plead with him and get anywhere. You can't expect anything other than stealing, killing, and destroying from Satan. But when you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you are standing in the authority of Jesus, there is the ability in the authority of Jesus to strip Satan's rule and reign away from you so that you can walk now in the freedom that is yours in Christ Jesus. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom from intimidation. There is freedom from the kind of fear that would say, oh, I don't know what we're going to do. What's going to come off? Stop talking like that. Stop that. You're speaking. You're parroting Satan. You're saying exactly what he wants you to say. Instead, say, there is one name that is above every other name. And at the name of this name, 
At the mention of this name, every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Let me show you how Paul put it in Ephesians. We're familiar with this, but I'm telling you, folks, this needs to drop 18 inches and even further. This needs to just saturate our whole way of looking at it who we are because we're seeing who he is. Ephesians chapter 1, Paul's praying this. He's he's praying it for the Ephesian church, but because he prayed it for them and we get the copies of it, it meant that it was intended for us to know know it as well. This is Ephesians 1, verse 17. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the true knowledge of Him. Folks, sometimes we think we know who Jesus is, and sadly to say, we don't even have a clue. We've got a category of things that are we we say we know about Him, truth about Him, but that's not the kind of knowledge that is really emphasized in the Scripture. The true knowledge of Him means experiential knowledge experiential knowledge on the basis of a relationship with him. It's not facts like facts of Abraham Lincoln or Herbert Hoover or geographic locations. Paul is saying, I'm I'm praying that there will be that God by his spirit will give to you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the true knowledge of him, the true knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be flooded with light, may be enlightened, so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Now, he didn't inherit junk when he saved you. He he didn't inherit a waste. He inherited what he believed would be a treasure, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. He saw you forgiven. He saw you clean. He saw you strong with a pure heart toward him. He saw you justified by his amazing grace and mercy. He saw you whole. He saw you beautiful. He saw you well. He saw you strong. He saw you as he sees you and me in Christ. We we can read that. Other folks can tell us it's so. But if it hadn't dropped 18 inches, you'd still be wandering around wondering, who am I? What am I worth? What's going on? That's why Paul's saying, I'm praying God will do something. He'll open your eyes. He uses that image of eyesight. You're not seeing this, but I'm praying God will show it to you. You will see. You will see his love for you. You will see who you are to him. And he continues. Know what is the hope, what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance, what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. And then he goes on, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Verse 22, and he put all things in subjection 
under Jesus' feet, under his feet, and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, and the fullness of him who fills all in all. Now, what did I just say? What did I just read? I'm praying that somewhere out there, yonder, somewhere in this room, there'll be something like, like a bolt of lightning will hit my heart. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me that I've been putting up with this lying devil of intimidation? relentlessly telling me I'm nothing, I can't do anything, what I am doing doesn't amount to anything, that it's all a waste or it's all impossible, I just need to walk away. You mean to tell me, Pastor, that those have been specific sentences spoken to me from the devil and not the Lord? I mean, I, I was thinking if, if that's who I am, then I just need to be crying out for more grace. I need to be crying out for more forgiveness. What if he's already forgiven you? What if you're clean as you stand before him? What if the old things have passed away and new things have come? What if this is the enemy lying to you, a false accusation, a false condemnation? Now may the God of hope, God of hope, God, where's your hope? If you've lost your hope, it may be that Satan's intimidation has caused it to wither and dry up in your heart. But when we understand that it is the spirit of this Jesus, this Jesus, raised up, seated at the right hand, all of those listings are, 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 are descriptions of, of terms of demonic, satanic power. Paul uses the phrase, far above all of those divisions, all of those ranks, all of those legions, and he's given him the name that is above every other name. Do you see why Satan wants to keep intimidating? I'm just nothing. I'm just, I'm just nothing. I'm just, I'm just nothing. I'm living in a world full of you know, that's, and I'm living in a nation that's just, that's just, it's just, it's just going, everything's going bad. Everything's going bad. I started to say something I've told. I can't say it when children are present. I so I want to say, shut up. I'm saying, like, shut up, shut up. I won't holler it like I want to, but just quit, quit talking like that. You are parroting Satan's voice for this nation. You are parroting what Satan wants you to believe about you. Stop it. As long as you keep talking like that, he'll keep feeding it. But once you realize, God hasn't given to me a spirit of fear, a spirit of intimidation. Here's what he's given me. No matter what happens out there, I know he loves me. No matter what comes or goes or stays the same, I'm drenched in the love of my Savior. His love is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit who is given to me. And because I know He loves me, I'm loving Him back. But folks, listen, here's why somebody said, but I don't feel the love of God. What if it's because you've been believing all the lies about God in you? 
What if you've accepted the conclusion? And I'm not, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just trying to holler out there. Grab a hold of some hearts. And say, come to the light. Come to the light. Come to the light. The light is that he loves you. Satan will lie because he hates you. And Satan has the ability to try to influence our thinking in ways that will push us away from our place. Push us away from the place which carries with it authority to honor the Lord, to serve the Lord, to bless the Lord. So, I'm going to finish with this. There may be more next week, so just be warned. Again, again, if you're living in a place of hesitation, if you're living in a place of being scared, of being worried, of living in the place of worry, worrying about things you can't control, or being intimidated by a big personality, a big mouth, or maybe it's just a little bitty person, but somehow they just rule over you, not God. It can be a spirit that flows out from people. Don't wrestle with flesh and blood, Paul said, but with principalities and powers. So for all the time we're dealing with people, I just wish I could get out of this, you know, get out of this job, get away from that person. And then you leave that job and go to another place, and there's somebody else just like that person. Because the person isn't the issue. It's the spirit of intimidation that's working through people. And once you realize it's not the person, it's the Spirit driving the person. And in the name of Jesus, you can take authority over that Spirit, which is the last point for today. Would you find James 4? James chapter 4. Now, folks, this isn't going to mean a thing. It won't do you a lick of good to slam into James 4 and verses 6 and 7 and roll up your sleeve and start just, just stomping your foot and you know, cackling like a banny rooster at the devil. I rebuke you, I rebuke you. You, you better just hold, 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 shut her down, Leon, hold on. Remember what the devil said? Seven sons of Siva Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And it just nearby killed them. Because they... They came against the second most powerful being in the universe, and they were doing it somehow, just doing a little formula of words, trying to do it in their own strength somehow, trying to copy somebody who really understood what the meaning was. So I'm not giving you some kind of a little slick, little 25-cent formula how to get the devil off your back. Listen to this. This is how James put it, and it's repeated in almost the exact same words in 1 Peter 5. So this is James 4. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Submit, therefore, to God, meaning... You submit, you humble yourself before the Lord. Will you please hear this? 
Humble yourself before the Lord. Submit yourself up before the Lord in the place where God has put you. This isn't a random anywhere out there, but it means in my relationship with the Lord, the steps of a good man, the steps of a good woman are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in their way. When they fall, they'll not be cast along because the Lord is there to take them by the hand and pick them back up. The place, you submit to the Lord in the place, in the place where he's put you, in the place where he's put you. Now, the Spirit's going to need to show you how that applies to you. I, I can't read your mail. But some of us think, if I, if, if I run over here, it'll be better. Run over there, it'll be there. No. If the devil has got your number, if the spirit of intimidation knows your number, everywhere you go, he can track you and repeat the same verse, same song, 4,000th verse. Intimidate. But if in the place where the Lord has put you, you humble yourself before the Lord in that place, Submit to the Lord in that place. Lord, I'm here because you put me here. And I'm here in this place believing that all things have been placed underneath your feet. That yours is the name that is above every other name, far above all authority. I'm here bowing my heart in this place place where you have put me. And now I turn and I, in your authority, resist the devil. Devil comes from the compound word diabolos. Dia, between. Balos from a verb, balo, to throw, to throw between, to throw between. Satan's specialty is throwing something in between you and your relationship with God. Some question, some hesitation, some doubt. But it also, he works that same way between husbands and wives and between friends and between Christian relationships. He's the divider. Here's another term. He's the accuser of the brethren. What did he do in the garden? He accused God to Adam and Eve. Is he really, does he really want you to be wise? Does he really want? He raises a question, and the question can have power. But here's what I, you get low, the safest, strongest, best place for you to be, if you're in the middle of this kind of a fight, you stretch out face down hands stretched out in a place that represents, it's symbolic, it represents the place he's put you. You get on your face and you just begin to pray, Lord, I surrender to you. I humble myself before you. By the best I can, I'm believing that you are everything your word says you are. And I hold your word in this place of submission to you and I'm going to, best I can, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I resist the lying spirit of intimidation in the name of Jesus.
There's some would say you don't ever need to say that to the devil. Just say it to the Lord and he'll take care of it. That may be. But there have been times in my own life, and my te- the testimony would be sometimes that would seem to work. There have been other times when it's like the Lord just rose, put a volcano in my heart. Stop it, devil. In the name of Jesus, you're lying. You're trying to intimidate. You're trying to push me away. You're trying to cause, cause me to believe the outcome that is not what God has spoken to my heart. I renounce it. I reject it. I resist you in the name of Jesus Christ. You get behind that great, big, huge gun barrel of the name of Jesus. Don't you be trotting out there with your little pip squeak, little little beak flapping. You'll pay a price for that. But when we're buried in the place and we're surrendered in the place of his calling upon our lives, his placement of our lives, Believing that he's put us there with a measure of authority. And a measure of that authority would be the authority of a son, the authority of a daughter, through Jesus, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. And as a result, I, with my, with my heart bowed low, but my heart filled with the truth of who Jesus is. I resist you, spirit of intimidation. And I receive in the place that has been occupied in my mind and my emotions by that spirit of intimidation, I receive your spirit of peace, Lord. Instead of intimidation, peace. Folks, I'm telling you, not because I'm saying it, but because I believe the Word teaches it. You do this this afternoon. You get off by yourself somewhere this afternoon, and you take these simple steps who Jesus is, who you are to him, what he says, and then what the devil says. And you make your choice to believe what God says. And then from that place of humbling yourself, you resist the spirit of intimidation. It's not just a train of thought. It's not just a, a, a body of information that doesn't have a personality. If you're being hammered by this relentlessly, your, your whole, you define yourself in a sense by this place of intimidation, then very likely it's something beyond just, just the way your brain thinks, beyond just something in the natural. And it won't ever be fixed until it's dealt with in the spirit, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I'm going to say, so, well, I need to get somebody to pray for. No, 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 no. Don't run off trotting around trying to find some sister high voltage, you know, some doctor with all the ability to do something for you. You're a child. He bought you. He knows you. He knows what's on your case. Humble yourself in the place where he's put you. Ask him to. Work that work of faith in your heart. But I tell you, if you just start reading these verses and reading them out loud, read that Ephesians 1 section. Raised from the dead, seated at the right hand, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above everything. You read those verses and you read those verses and you read those verses and something will happen. Something will awaken in your heart. And then on the basis of that,
I resist the spirit of fear in the name of Jesus. And I receive, Lord, your Holy Spirit, your Holy Spirit, to fill that place in my heart that has been occupied. Hear it. That has been occupied, my heart occupied by the spirit of intimidation. Turf, turf in your heart. Folks, some of you, this drops 18 inches. You get blessed, you're going to feel like you got saved all over again. Think you're, you're born again, again. And they say, well, he wouldn't do that to me. The devil can't do that to believers. Would you read your Bible? Would you read your New Testament? Why would Paul say this to Timothy? Why would he say to the Ephesians, don't give a place to the devil? They were blood-bought, washed on their way to heaven, but we can give. He can't take it, but we can give it to him. And that's where the blood of Jesus forgive us for that spot, for that place, humbling ourselves before him, declaring who all he is, and then in the way that he directs you to do it. Resist the devil. And what does James say? And he will flee from you. Not you by yourself, but you because you, you, you got the gun barrel of the might and authority of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's not scared of you. He's not scared of the combination of us. At the name Jesus. At the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus. Say his name with me. At the name of Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. One more time. Jesus. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to stop there. Put a, we're going to put a comma there and, and, and come back next week for, for some more on this line. Okay? Lord, thank you for the time together. I pray in the name of Jesus right now, wherever folks are listening, whatever the condition of the heart may be, but the heart is, has, been, has been victim to, has fallen prey to a spirit of intimidation that has resulted in doubt and fear, confusion, worry. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I ask you by your spirit to convince the ones who have ears to hear that they don't have to live that way. That where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Show us your freedom, Lord. Take us into your freedom. Take us into your freedom. Take us into your freedom. That is our cry. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? Those of you in this room, prayer partners, if you'll join me here at the front so we can pray with those who want to be prayed for and with this morning, just bless you for being here. just want to say thank you and God bless you to our streaming family scattered all over the place for the prayers that we feel that you pray for the work here, for the ministry of the word here. Our goal has never been and is not now to build some massive crowd of people in the room. Our goal is to feed the Lord's sheep. To feed the Lord's sheep wherever the sheep are. God would put a word in our hearts to share with hungry sheep and 
bless you for letting us know that you're out there, letting us know how to pray. Pastor Walker at alamocity.org. Send that email that just enough for us to know how to pray with you. And we take that very seriously. Your, your, your prayers, your loving notes and encouragement, your financial help, support make, makes it possible for us to go places we couldn't go and do things we couldn't do without you. But you need to know <laughs> if one of those bikers shows up around here and they need something to eat or they need some clothes, we're not going to tell them you get your colors off your back before we hand you something to eat. We're going to feed them right where they are. And others and many from all over, we still do that. We've been doing that for all these years. It's house of mercy, house of mercy. You help us do that as you bless the Lord with your finances. So just keep praying that the Lord want, who the Lord wants in here, the Lord will bring in here. Some of you may need to move over and let some other folks sit right there with you. Did you do that? do that. Nobody owns anything. We're all going to give it up anyway. Lord, you bring in this house who you want in this house. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Come this way if we can pray with you and for you. Ab and Josh, bless you this morning. Thank you. It's been good. Good. Thank you for the worship. Amen. Sing Waymaker.